I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. Stay on the okay? Right. Right. They can't run the big dogs. Stay on the board. It's time. Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. Say It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on this Thursday edition, the Thunderous Thursday. That's what we decided, right? We're going th- Thunderous Thursday. I've always used that. I guess that's official now. All right. We're going with it. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yes. We talked some NFL, some college football today. Scott Spritzer is going to join us next hour. Our handicapper extraordinaire. Well, one of our handicapper extraordinaires. i got to be careful because I have Scott and i got Marco. And I call them both handicapper extraordinaires. So I don't want to get in trouble there because obviously our two quarterbacks that join us regularly, Steve Berline and Jay Schrader, you know, both being former Raider quarterbacks, they want to be called the quarterback of the show. So I don't know. I got got to be careful with that, you know? So Jay Schrader will be joining us tomorrow at the Westgate. That's always fun. Uh, Back at the Westgate at the world famous Superbook and the quarterback. That quarterback, Jay Schrader, will join us tomorrow. But today, Scott Spritzer will join us uh, next hour. So we look forward to handicapping the Week 10 of the NFL as well as college football. we got that going on. Bob Nightingale, the esteemed writer for the USA Today, he will join us with a World Series recap. And it is officially the hot stove season now for Major League Baseball. So uh got to sp- uh, spend a lot of time with Bob Nightingale when... He was back there in Houston, did a fantastic article on Dusty Baker chronicling um, what Dusty's day was like on Saturday when they won game six. So that was great. So I'm going to talk to Bob regarding that. And like I said, a lot of agency that we will touch on today as well, too. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us a little bit later this hour talking NBA, the problems with the Warriors and the Lakers, and a whole lot more. Talk a little of that, a little college hoop. But uh, we start the show... We'll talk a little NFL with breaking news. The Raiders having more problems, and this is on the injury front. As we know, it's uh, been a problem all season long. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro missing so many games, missing so many practices. Well, the Raiders actually today placed Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on injured reserve. So that means that both will miss at least the next four games beginning this Sunday with the Raiders game against the Colts. Now, as we know, Waller and Renfro, big parts of the Raiders offense, and they have not been around. They have not been healthy since training camp. And it's unfortunate because I know Darren Waller has taken a lot of bullets from people saying, hey, how come you're not out there? I mean, can't you fight through this thing? And, you know, when people see Darren Waller at the Aces games, or they see him around town, and they look at him, they see him smoking cigars in the parade, they think, hey, well, this guy's fine, right? It's a little bit different. <laughs> you know, when you're you're just walking around and you're not, you know, on the football field, you know, football field, you're going 100 miles an hour, all right? And he's got a hamstring issue that just will not go away. And he's tried to fight through it. He's tried to practice. He, he wants to play. He's been vocal about that. But when you're dealing with a hamstring issue 
That is something that is very, very tender, very hard to play through. It doesn't matter what sport. And we see guys in Major League Baseball that will pull a hamstring as they're going down to first base out of the batter's box. We see a lot of that just because you're going from basically, you know, zero to 90 just like that. Uh, same thing with the NFL. You know, if you cut the wrong way, boom. So hamstring injuries are probably the most difficult to deal with. It's one thing if you have a broken bone. I mean, you, you know what your time frame is. That's it. Broken bone, four to six months, you're out, whatever it is, you know? But with tendons and hamstrings, man, th- th- that's different. Different than a calf issue, different than anything else. So you've got to make sure that you are 100%. You're not coming back from a hamstring injury at 70%, 75%. You must be 100% and you must be cleared by a doctor. And Waller has practiced. He's tried to practice. And the Raiders have been very careful with his injury. But finally, they said, you know, enough's enough. Get off the field. It's just pure rest right now and rehab. So Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on IR. Uh, Both will miss, like you said, the next four games starting this Sunday with the Colts. Not eligible to return until the December 8th game against the Rams. Now, you talk about Waller and... He hasn't played since week five in the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Missed the last three games. Renfro, on the other hand, his injuries are actually to his rib and also has a hamstring injury. And remember, he had to go through concussion protocol because he suffered a concussion a few weeks back as well, too. So both of these guys have missed significant time, not just game-wise, but practice time as well, too. And it doesn't help matters from a fan's perspective when you say, wait a minute, you just paid these guys a boatload of money in the offseason. Waller's in the midst of a $51 million deal that he signed in the offseason. $51 million. Renfro, $32 million. That's his contract right now. Both signed, like I said, in the offseason. Those were extensions. Neither's been on the field very much. Two big missing weapons for the Raiders' offense. And when you look at the Raiders' offense right now, what do you have? Well, you've got Devontae Adams, and that's it. Devontae Adams has tons of frustration. You're going to hear from him here in a few minutes, talking, addressing the Raiders' problems and what he feels needs to take place. Devontae Adams isn't going to throw anybody under the bus, but he's been very, very vocal, and he's been very emotional with his on-the-field antics. Like we've talked about before, slamming his helmet down. The game against Kansas City, he's walking off the field. He's frustrated. He shoves a photographer. Um, So he's not having the year that he wants. You go to a new team. You're moving to a new city. He had comfort levels in, in Green Bay. And like I've said so many times in the past, he's not used to losing. The Packers did not lose. Faced one losing season in his time in Green Bay. So, very difficult time for Adams here. And a lot of people thought it was going to be all roses. Oh, I'm reuniting with Derek Carr. I kind of feel this Raiders organization is an up-and-coming organization. Yeah, we're going to do great things here, but it hasn't worked out that way. And when a team loses, and a guy like Devonta Adams, who's a perennial all-pro, he's not getting the ball, not getting enough targets, 
he's going to sound off. And I don't think Derek Carr is taking it personal. I don't think Josh McDaniels is taking it personal, but this is a different situation for Devontae Adams. New team, new quarterback, even though it's a familiar one, but come on. It's been nearly a decade since Derek Carr and Devontae Adams hooked up at Fresno State. Josh McDaniels, new system. A lot of question marks with this Raiders team right now. And uh, it does not help when you hear that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are going on IR. So, and you look at the production that you've gotten from these two guys this year. I mean, nothing. They've combined for one touchdown for the Raiders. That's it. I mean, Waller had a franchise record 107 receptions for nearly 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns in 2020. And that was a breakout campaign for him after being released by the Ravens. Before that, come, comes here to the Raiders. Last year, after he, you know, last year he had uh, 90 catches for 1,145 yards, three touchdowns. So, but he was, you know, most of those, you know, he had another great season in 2019 as well, too. But you look at his 2021 numbers, they were good. They're okay. But remember, he suffered a concussion on the final play of the Raiders, uh, you know, week two loss this year, then mix, miss the next two games after that. Then he had, you know, 103 receptions last year for 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. So Waller and Renfro combined for one touchdown this year. That's it. But those are not the only, you know, reasons why, why the Raiders have been struggling. Everyone wants to point to the defense, right? Get that. Okay, point to the defense. Defense should shoulder a lot of the blame. But when an offense scores zero against the Saints two weeks ago, that's a problem. And you can say, okay, gave up 24 against the Saints. Okay, defensive problems. To Andy Dalton and company. Where Alvin Kamara had a breakout season, (laughs) breakout game this season. We had three touchdowns, his first three touchdowns against the Raiders. We saw Alvin Kamara... Last weekend on Monday night, uh, Monday night football, right? Did nothing, really did nothing for that for that team. So yeah, the Raiders have a lot of problems on both sides of the ball. We understand that, we got that, and they're struggling for a lot of reasons here, offensively, defensively. And Derek Carr talks about it is the team's fault on both sides of the ball. Devontae Adams talks about, hey, I can only do what I can do. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and rip guys on the defense. Because it goes, I don't play defensive end. I don't play safety. I don't even know what that's like. So I'm not going to sit there and, and, and rip our defense because there's nothing he can do about that. Same thing with Derek Carr. And when you talk about Carr, I mean, this is a guy that, again, he, he is just mirrored in another losing season. And it's hard not to feel sorry for this guy, especially if you're a Raider fan, even if you're not a Raider fan. I mean, you know, he is as a good guy to root for, but does he have some maybe some mental lapses during the course of games? Yeah, that has been proven. We've seen that time and time again. But to his defense, another year with another head coach, with another offensive coordinator, with a different type of system, and none of these systems are really similar. I don't think a lot of people understand that. They are not similar at all. 
Terminology is a big thing. You got to you know, learn that. And then you look at a guy, uh, Devontae Adams. He's been in one system his entire career before coming here with Green Bay, with Aaron Rodgers, even though it went through a couple different coaching changes. But compared to what Carr's been through with the Raiders, amazing. What is it? Now what? Going on six different OCs? Oh, crazy to think about that. But the Raiders are struggling for a myriad of reasons, and health is one of those as well, too. you got to factor it in there because when you don't have any other weapon on that field, you can say Matt Collins is a nice receiver, but come on. Devontae Adams, that's it. Josh Jacobs, nice running back, no question. Josh Jacobs is having a fantastic season, probably the best of his career. He's playing for a contract. Raiders still haven't upped his contract. He could, he's going to be a free agent after this season. Is he going to be back here in Las Vegas? Nobody knows. But Jacobs is doing what he can do right now. And that's it. So you've got Jacobs, you got Devontae Adams, and you got Derek Carr just trying to figure this whole thing out again. So not a pretty situation where the Raiders stand at this point right now. Now going forward, the Raiders, Got the Colts on deck. You know, we've talked about this for the last few weeks. Get a soft schedule coming off a bye. You have the Houston Texans. What do the Raiders do? They beat the Texans, but they only played one decent half of football. That was in the second half. What happened in the first half? First half, they found themselves down. 10 nothing, and then it was 10-10 at halftime. They battled themselves back, right? All right? Came back, exploded, got the win. Then you... Go on the road to New Orleans, and you get shut out. Then you go to Jacksonville, and you start off strong, build a 17-point lead, 17 nothing to be exact, and then get outscored 27-3 to in the second half. These are not upper echelon opponents, and you're struggling, and you're sitting at 2-6 and six right now. Most people saying, season done, season over. And what do you got this week? The Colts, who are probably the most disappointing team in all of the NFL right now. And people are going to say, wait a minute, what about the Green Bay Packers? They're disappointing. Yeah, they are. They are. But we knew the Packers weren't going to be very good this year. You're losing Devontae Adams. All right? You got Aaron Rodgers. not sure where his head is at. The things that he's saying, what he's been saying for the past couple seasons, you know, Aaron Jones at running back, kind of like the Raiders. Josh, that's about it. Defense, not the same. But yeah, the Colts, disappointing. More disappointing, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I would say so. More disappointing than the Rams? Well, we knew the Rams weren't going to repeat. All right? Especially losing all the talent that they had. This week, Raiders have got the Indianapolis Colts that have a new head coach that just started on Tuesday and Jeff Saturday after the Colts fired Frank Wright. After a horrendous start to the season. 3-5-1 and of the Colts. Lost to New England on Sunday, 26-3. Colts were 0-14 on third down. 0-2 on fourth down. 121 in total yards of offense. They punted nine times. Team's a mess. You would think, perfect opportunity for the Raiders, wouldn't you? All right, we'll talk more about that game coming up. Let's hear from Devontae Adams. And his thoughts on what is wrong with this team. 
just finding a way to be consistent enough to do it over over the course of the, the full game. You know, all four quarters and whatever that is. You know, like like I said after the game, it's really just execution. You know, from the from the players at the end of the day. <clears throat> you know, there's everybody's going to try to create some division between the the players and coaches just based off of different things that are said but I mean at the end of the day it's about making adjustments and everybody doing their job and I think that that's what we have had tough uh, you know some tough luck with this year is everybody doing their job at any given moment and I feel like if we do that then that's what gives us the best position or puts us in the best position to be successful but we haven't done that consistently enough. All right, Devontae Adams talking about what's wrong with his team struggling here. Uh, a lot of it, of course, is the lack of execution on the Raiders' side, offensively and def- defensively. But Adams wants to talk about his side of the ball and what is wrong with the Raiders. Lack of execution. Well, make no mistake about it. Uh, I think the Jags did a better job in the second half for sure, but we had opportunities. Like, they were there, especially after looking at the tape. Honestly, I'm more upset, even more upset um, with with how we executed. I know I already talked about that after the game, but after looking at the tape, like, it's even more so on us and, you know, less, even even less. And, you know, I don't I don't put anything on the coaches. I, like I said, I think that we got to do our job. But when I looked at it, we had plenty of opportunities. You know, there were, there were plays there. We had a couple, I think it was like six balls in a row that I, you know, couldn't come up with for one reason or the other. So at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the, the plays were called and there was some there was some good calls in there and we just didn't come down with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're not going to change it. They're going to they're gonna play what they play and some teams stick to what they do. And, you know, we'll see how this game pans out as far as the, the coverage goes. But, yeah, I mean, teams are going to do what they're going to do. It's a copycat league. And if it works for one, you know, it, it's, you know, that's typically how teams think it'll work for us as well. So we got to find a way to still make plays. And like I said, we had the opportunity, just didn't come down with it. Raiders had plenty of opportunities. That's why they jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead where Devontae Adams had nine first half catches for 146 yards. Second half, one catch, line of scrimmage, no yards. Here's Devontae talking about getting him the ball. It is what it is. I, nothing has been forced this year at all. I mean, I've had multiple games with like two catches. So I don't think that we should be talking about me getting the ball forced to me. Like that's ridiculous. I think that, um, when you have certain players, you do what you can do to get them opportunities. And that's why I'm here. That's why they paid me to, you know, to come here and make plays at the end of the day. If we just going to just concede and say, oh, they double team Tay. So it's forcing the ball to him. If we throw it to him, then I, I'm, I got no business being in this building because that's what they're going to do. So if, if you think that, the only way I'm gonna get the ball is being singled up. When well, I'm gonna have four catches on the year, you know what I mean? Like that's that's just how this thing goes. So um, yeah, I, I think we can we can do more. Honestly, you look at some of them and the ones that we didn't hit. It just was a result of you know, like I said, a guy not doing his job. And, you know me, you know I missed the one at the end. You know a guy missing missing a block and and Derek's got somebody in his face quick and just different things where everybody's got to do their job and it'll it'll change everything. You know because if I come down with five more of those in the second half or four more of them, then we're not talking having the same conversation because. A lot of those were big play opportunities too, you know. And if I can catch those and get loose, then now we're saying, well, why aren't they throwing them the ball enough? You know, they, they should be throwing it more. So that's kind of how it goes. You ride the roller coaster sometimes based off of how the plays actually, you know, how they result. And um, you know, the second half we didn't we didn't connect on the way we did in the first half, and that's that's what you're going to get. And a lot of overthinking, but at the end of the day, we just gotta 
just find ways to make those plays, and then we don't even have to answer certain questions. I think there's been this past game, obviously, I got a, a lot more, and I would have, I think the second half, like I said, was just about converting on them because in the first half, you know, we were hitting and doing it the way that we dreamt of doing it, and then the second half just didn't come down with them. I mean, you know, I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be 15 targets and a half to, you know, that's that's not really what it's about. It's about the quality. Hey, Dave. It's, it's about the quality of reps and, and just getting some opportunities to, to get the ball. And I think last game was there, and there's obviously been times where it hasn't been even close to enough. And, you know, we, we know that, and you got, you guys know that too. You know, Saints game, having one catch, like, that's that's not, once again, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to be able to help this offense move the ball. And if we can move it other ways, then that's beautiful, and I don't need to do it. You know, I can have one catch if, if we are moving it, but if we're not, then that's that's obviously going to be a problem. All right, there it is. Devontae Adams talking about, uh, and, and where that was going was the question of, do you feel that, that the ball maybe should be forced to you a little bit more? And what he's saying is this, that he's used to double teams. He's not going to get single coverage. If he gets single coverage, there we go. But Derek Carr is not throwing in the ball when they're, when he's bracketed. With two defenders. That's what the problem is. And he's going like, listen, man, I've been double covered my entire career in Green Bay. Maybe outside of the first year. Aaron Rodgers would still throw the ball. And then it's like, okay, may the best man win. And what we're seeing here is that Derek Carr isn't really showing that trust in Devontae Adams. Now, Carr won't admit that. And Carr as we know, is very, very careful. He does not like throw the ball in traffic. He only likes to hit wide open receivers. So with Devontae Adams saying like, dude, throw me the ball. I don't care. Trust me, I'll go get it. And that's a hard thing for a quarterback to do. But I will say that, you know, Rodgers had no problem trying to put in tight spots. But then again, as much as I maybe dislike Aaron Rodgers, he does have pinpoint accuracy. He definitely does. And he could put balls in tight spots. The great quarterbacks do. That's why Derek Carr is not an elite quarterback. Because number one, he doesn't have that kind of accuracy. And he doesn't have that type of faith to to go to his receivers. And it's tough because you don't want to throw the pick. Because who gets charged for the pick? The quarterback does. Not the wide receiver. Not anybody else. They're going to be booing Derek Carr when he comes off the field. And he's concerned about that because of the lack of overall success that he's had as a quarterback for this team. So they've got to get on the same page. When Devontae Adams signed here to be a Raider, like he said, he goes, I'm going to get double, triple team. I'm going to get that. Plain and simple. You could still throw me the ball. You can try to get creative, and Josh McDaniels has, to try to get him open, but still... He's going to be double covered. He's going to have two guys around him at all times. You're not going to see guys passing off, you know, the cornerback, you know, passing off to, to, to the safety. They're going to stick with him and they're going to, you know, they're going to have, he's going to have bracket coverage, plain and simple with that. Josh McDaniel, he's trying to put all this behind him. He's trying to put on a happy face and look forward to the Colts. He knows the Colts are a mess right now, but of course he's going to give them the utmost respect. Josh McDaniel on this Sunday's game. We're on to Indy. Um, 
And I know there's been some changes there uh, in the last few days, but um, like we talked to our football team about today, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to sink our teeth into here. Um, they got a lot of good players, um, you know, and on all three phases, I'd say, and then. You know, expecting or assuming Taylor will be back offensively. Uh, obviously, a a really important guy for us to be able to bottle up and try to stop, which is very difficult. Uh, nobody's been better than he has the last few years offensively. Um, you know, the uh, the big skill guys they have offensively have all uh, contributed, made plays. Pierce, the young rookie receiver, uh, we we watched him this morning. Has obviously made a lot of significant plays for them. The defense, one of the top defenses in the league, clearly impactful players at all three levels. The defensive front um, probably as good as we'll see uh, from top to bottom uh, throughout the course of the year. Uh, disruptive inside, uh, lead the league in tackles for loss. Certainly a good pass rush, especially if you're playing from, you know, long yardage or behind. Uh, this team can really get after the passer. Um, you know, and Gus has always done a really good job of preaching, going after the ball, which you can see that on tape. It jumps out on you. Uh, added Gilmore uh, to Kenny Moore, so they got a couple Pro Bowl corners there on defense. The linebacking core is fast, uh, athletic, and that's not even including Leonard playing as much as he has in the past. I know he's working his way back. Um, and then they're good in the kicking game. You know, two good returns. Turner's punter's been excellent at putting people uh, down down in the ball inside the ten yard line. Um, you know they don't they they don't commit a lot of uh, penalties in the kicking game, which they usually end up winning the field position battle week in and week out. So um, you know this is a team second in the division now. Been in a ton of close games. Um, you know had one tie and, and a bunch that were right there at the end where they could have won or lost them. So um, <clears throat> excited to obviously be back home after the trip down south, um, you know, and, and get back home and, and uh, really get ready for this one. All right. There is Josh McDaniel looking forward to the Raiders getting off of this uh, losing streak here and put something together as they take on the Colts. And like we mentioned, with the Colts, uh, they're a mess. Jeff Saturday is coaching his very first game. Jeff Saturday was named coach on Tuesday for the Colts as they fired Frank Reich. Beloved player with the Colts, 13 years. He was the center there. Uh, he has been with ESPN the last few years as an NFL analyst. And what was he doing last Sunday? Ripping the Raiders. Saying, man, the Raiders, it's, they're a mess right now. And now all of a sudden, he's a coach of the Colts. Oh, and who's the f- the first opponent he's going to face? Raiders. Maybe bulletin board material? We'll see. I'm not sure the Raiders are that bulletin board material type of team. But, yes, Sunday he was on ESPN, and next thing you know, Monday's being hired, Tuesday's in Indianapolis, and he's trying to coach this team, and he has zero head coaching experience. That's a tough thing for the Colts. Now, people are asking, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and Josh McDaniel, well, what do you think you're going to see out of the Colts? How difficult uh, is that going to be? How can you game plan for them? It, it's pretty simple. Because, well, I don't know Jeff Saturday. He's never coached before. What, what's he going to bring? Nothing. He's not going to change anything. You can't institute a new offense or anything, not even really new personnel for the most part. So Jeff Saturday is going to be a babysitter, at least for this first game or two. And he's got to trust the people that are already on that staff and they have to continue to do what they want. They're going to have the same scheme. They're going to have the same calls. They're going to have the same everything. So whatever you saw from the Colts on tape last week in that embarrassing loss that they had to the Patriots, 26 to 3, that's what you're going to see. 
That's what you focus on. But a lot of people in Indianapolis are saying, hey, we love Jeff Saturday. He's a great player there. He was Peyton Manning center there, right? Owner Jim Hersey on Monday vigorously defended the decision to hire Jeff Saturday as the team's interim head coach, saying that the first-time NFL coach is fully experienced enough. How about that? He's fully experienced enough was his quote, and he's fully capable. He spoke on Monday, Ursay did, about the toughness that Saturday displayed during his 13 seasons with the Colts, made five Pro Bowls. That's great as a player, but can he coach? Jim Ursay went on to say, you want to bet against this guy? Put your money down. I'd love to see it because I know what he's all about. All right. Good confidence there. He said the decision to fire Frank Wright was difficult, but attributed to the sense of knowing it was time based on his long experience in his second generation as an NFL owner. Remember his dad obviously moved the Colts out of Baltimore. And he says, there's no rule book that tells you now you should make a change. It's something from being in this league 52 years. It's intuitive. All right. He's going with Jeff Saturday. No head coaching experience, but he thinks he's good for the franchise. And he left a nice position with ESPN to now go on the field and see what he can do as a head coach. I kind of hope it works for Jeff Saturday. I do. You know, end his career playing with the Packers. As well, too. But what's he going to do, especially from an offensive standpoint? Well, Parks Frazier, that's not a TV show. It's a guy's name. Parks Frazier, the assistant quarterback coach, will be calling the plays for the Colts Sunday against the Raiders. No experience in doing that, but he has other experience. He's an ordained minister. We talked about this on, on Terrible Tuesday. He's an ordained minister, so he's very close to Frank Reich, who he was on the staff under. He officiated Frank Reich's wedding, by the way. He's an undergraduate degree in computer science. He's one of the leaders on the staff in the use of technology and data. So there you go. He's an analytics guy. And he does have experience at the quarterback position because he played it at Murray State. Go Racers. So that's what you have on basically the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, the Colts are good. Gus Bradley, remember him? He's a defensive coordinator. Used to be with the Raiders. How much do you think Gus Bradley wants to stick it to the Raiders here? And they've got talent. The Colts, the only reason they've stayed in games is because of their defense. So, long story short here, the Raiders still might be in trouble. The betting line came out of this thing at 6-6.5. Six, six it's bet down to 5 right now. Because I think maybe some sharp money's coming in on the Colts. And we'll talk to Scott Spicer about this next hour. But interesting... Because people are just thinking the Raiders should walk over a team like the Colts who have underperformed this season and they have a head coach that just came in on Tuesday. They might rally around one of their own. He hasn't been around this team. Not at all. He's been at the ESPN studios of Bristol, Connecticut, analyzing NFL games. I'm interested to see how the Raiders are going to perform. Can they put together four quarters and two halves? And I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, Raiders should blow them out. But how can you say that with this team right now, two and six? All right, we come back. We'll talk a little NBA, talk about disappointments. The Raider, uh, the uh, Warriors and the Lakers, very, very disappointing. Plus, we'll have a little fun like we always do. The big seven-footer's back. He joins us. It's that time of year as the calendar turns to basketball season. Big Bill Cartwright, the five-time NBA champ. 
Next. Cartwright! 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 He yelled Cartwright. I missed that. Who's Cartwright? I'm Cartwright. You're not Cartwright. Of course I'm not Cartwright! No, there's only one Cartwright. That's right. The one and only seven-footer. What's going on, my friend? Well, you should be very excited. Um, it is it is basketball season, uh, which we should all be very excited about. Every everybody starts anew. Everybody's going to win a championship right now. And as you know, the number one team in the country, the green and gold, are USF Bounds. Number one team in the country. Number one team in the country. In the country, there you, go. you said. Right and, now, did, right I, now. did I did I miss right some breaking news? Did I did I miss this? I don't understand what happened. Where's Duke? Where's North Carolina? Where's uh, where's everybody? Where's Gonzaga? Wait, the the Dons are number one. I I missed that. You know, I spent so much time in Houston with the World Series. I am sorry. Who have you guys knocked off? Everybody is number one right now. <laughs> oh, the Dons, ladies and gentlemen, have knocked off Texas Southern the other night. And the Dons right. will hit the court tonight against that powerhouse at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. You see, you always kill yourself with that. <laughs> for, for for one thing, Texas Southern was was in the NCAA's last year. Oh yeah, they were in the tournament. Yeah, so, so they they are a good basketball team. I didn't say right? they weren't. I didn't. Did I? Did I say yes, that? Did I say anything like that? You 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 didn't say it, but you certainly <laughs> insinuated it. Oh no, no. So, so, boy, so what I'm saying is that we're very excited for our season, and we are going to have a great season. That's why we are the number one team in the country. Are you upset? That's it. And, and I got the green, I got the green and gold shirts to prove That's it. All I'm saying. I, 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 and guess what? Here, more breaking news, Numbchuck. You're going to like this. The Dons are coming to Vegas. Now we know the Dons usually come to Vegas in March. All right, but they're coming weeks away. Weeks away. Yeah. Right, seven footer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it's going to be up to you. It's going to be up to you. You could be the deciding factor <laughs> to give us the scout report that puts us over the edge because you know you, your 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 team in Vegas. You know you guys play good. You got a good home record. Yeah. Uh, you're definitely a tough team at home. So we're going to need your skills, your scout report, in that game. So. That is on you, so you better get busy right now. Man, man, you you are putting me in a really precarious situation. I mean, you know, as you know, you have Kevin Kruger on regularly. I got you on regularly. You're you're putting me right there in the middle. I I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a trip that weekend out of town, so I can't be found. That's it. You know, I mean, he's asking me about your he's asking me about your stuff. You're asking me about his stuff. I mean, I don't want to get involved in anybody's stuff. Look, another vacation. Another vacation. That's true. There you go. Hey, look, look, look. It's like anything. Take a stand. Take a stand. <laughs> Get on the wagon. Get on the USF Dons. Come on. Is this the fight song? You know, I, I can never tell really what the fight song is because every time I see you guys band, uh, band here in Vegas, there's only seven in the band. It doesn't sound this full like this. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, as a matter of fact, there is more than seven in the band. Hey, um, but it, we, we have we 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 pick things up around here. So 
um, were very excited, even though that fight song, we could, eh, could maybe um, spruce it up a little bit. A little right? Yeah. Yeah. We got to do that. And I remember we, we talked about this before that you said you were going to go over uh, to your crew over there at USF, whoever that is, and you're going to try to, you know, reconstruct this fight song, weren't you? I mean, you're going to try to get a little, 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 uh, you know, hip in their dip, a little pep in their step, weren't you? And you were going to say, come well, on, let's go put a little JB in this thing. Well, yeah, we, we, we definitely want to funk it up. We yeah. don't want to put it, we don't want to EJ it up and put a little Alan John in it. We want to uh, funk it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, let's funk it up, baby. Let's go. That's it. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's get a new, let's get a new fight song. Let's just put some, let's get some hand claps in there. A little car wash. Yeah, something. <laughs> Do something in there. I don't know. You, you go see the band director. You got some pull over there. I mean, every time I, you know, I talk to you, you're a different part of the campus, or I go by the campus. I mean, you're royalty over there. There we go. Let's put a little Ohio players in there. Can we do that? Let's do that. Put a fire in there. I like it. Yeah, I know you do, right? I like where you're going right now. Let's go. Ow. Yow. Yow. Let's go. Let's go with the dimes going down the court. Here we go. Bust it out. Cart right in the low post. Yeah. I don't know. There we go. Let's bring back Quinn Daly. Quinn Daly from 25. Something. Marlon Redmond. Bring back some old Dons. Let's fuck it up, baby. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see that Cartwright team from the uh, from the late 70s wearing the uh, the tight pants. Maybe the uh, you know the the bell bottom jeans. Let's see that. The platforms. I mean, you don't need any platform shoes. You know, you don't need to be seven five. Here it is. Let's do that. Yeah. With the bell bottom bell bottom pants are are, are still in. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, I wish I wish I had a pair of those. Well, at least those you're at least you're talking about funking up the uh, the fight song instead of going like chubby checkerish, you know, on the fight song. So. Look, You're coming a long way, pal. Appreciate every, everybody that. Everybody loves Chubby Checkers. You know what's funny? I, I think our last game here, we, we had some Chubby Checkers on. Chubby Checkers will, <laughs> will just be here forever. The guy the guy's amazing. <laughs> here we go. How about some Bar Case? That'll funk it up. Here we go. See, that's what I'm talking about. You just never know what you're going to get here. There it is. He's, he's nodding his head a little bit. I can feel it. Oh man! All right. Well, no, I'm rooting for your Dons. I always root for your Dons. You know that. Come on. I support. The, I support the green and gold, and I, and I and I sport it too. I, you know, when you guys are playing here, but I got to be neutral. That game, I got to be neutral. I got to sit at midcourt. You know. There is no way you're going to be. Come on, dude. Take a chair. Are you kidding me? Neutral? You got to be kidding me. If anybody, if anybody, and knowing you as long as I have, you are. A Don before, <laughs> before you're a rebel. You gotta be kidding me. You can't go, you can't, you can't do that. That's not who you are. You're not a rebel. I mean, you live there. We know you represent that city right now. Listen, go man, on. I, you know, I, we, I, I cover the we, team as you well know. And, and, and where, where did my daughter go to school? Where did my daughter graduate from? Where, where's that? It doesn't matter. Where, I got family where, ties. Where where are you every Sunday? You 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 definitely not at the casino. I'm a, I'm at church. There you there go. There you go. There you go. There you go. More often hey. than you. Yes. 
Yeah, and it is, and that's that's why you are a don. And that's why I'm a don. Get, get out of there. What, what about an Irish? I gotta be an Irish, or you know, let's see, a, a musketeer. I mean, uh, all of those great uh, a, ram, a rambler. You know, all those great Catholic universities. You know, there you go. Oh, hey, St. Mary's. Am I a St. Mary guy? Am I a Gonzaga guy? No, see, I mean, we'll go through the gamut there. Numbchuck, what do I do here? Like, I, I don't know. What, what, what do you, what do take you your vacation and my cart ride guest host. There you go. There it is. Oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, when we I, have I we have Kevin Kruger on before this game, you know, coming up here, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Kevin my, my dilemma, and I'll, I'll ask for permission. All right? I'll, I'll ask for permission to, hey, uh, can I wear my green and gold? Is it okay if I, if I, if I sit next to Cartwright over there in the – behind the bench there now where are you going to be are you going to be sitting behind the bench in, in the seats that they give you or are you going to go you know find a, a, a you know in the upper deck find a seat so you can sprawl out so you can kind of be incognito what's your plan when you come to the thomas and max center i don't know i don't know depending on um i think i'm bringing my wife so sometimes as you know i i want to be uh right center court so yeah it's a good spot i haven't quite decided yeah. Well, if you're a center court, um, I can sit next to you because that's as neutral as it gets. That's that's where I normally sit. Center court. Well, no. no okay. So right now we're going to put you over in the USF section. Okay. We got to get you right. All right. We got to get you right. Okay. You just you're, you're really messed up right now. If if that's if that's a dilemma for you, we you need a healing right now. <sighs> I'll bring Father Paul down. <sighs> we'll just we'll just heal you. It's good to write. So, uh, speaking of get me right, um, you know, this is the what's wrong segment here. And we're going to get to what's wrong here uh, in a couple minutes, I, I hope, with the, the NBA. But uh, I, I thought of the big seven-footer today because as I went to my email, like I normally get, I see the breaking news. Here it comes. Contest like, is back? Huh? Is the contest back? No, no. Stop. Oh, stop. Dear. Stop. Look, he's already laughing. I don't know what he thinks I'm going to say here, but I got the email today, and it says, Black Panther, get your tickets now. It's it's happening right. this weekend. What is it? The, the Rashonda, the Rwanda, the uh, Kryptonite? I don't know. But I said, oh, no, it's back. It's back. They're doing it again. Does this, right. does this mean right. that I have to sit through another one of these with you? That's right. That's right. You know, look. Somebody's got to help you with that. Now, now, you do a lot of things well. This you don't. So we got to get you to be able to, to, like, at least go to some sci-fi. Try to be a little bit futuristic. Try to go to a movie that's fun and got to expand your mind a little bit. So, yes, you definitely have to go. It's it's just it's just all about getting you in the right direction. That's all. That's all we're doing. All right. For those who don't remember, I was uh, drugged to the uh, original Black Panther with a seven footer when he was in town, and uh, we ended up to going to an overcrowded theater where we sat in the second row. Yeah. Not my fault. That is not my fault. I didn't pick the seats. That's not my job. I didn't. I didn't pick the theater. I didn't even know where we were going. You're not blaming me. You're not blaming California, pal. How, how would I know where to go? By the way, it's Wakanda forever. Wakanda here. So here's the, my email I get. It says today, now playing Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Get your tickets now. Early shows start today. Uh, and here's a synopsis. Uh, Queen Ramonda 
Shuri Mbaku Okoe and Dora Milali, I don't even know what the heck I'm saying here, fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. What the heck am I reading? What the heck am I watching? Do you even understand what I'm saying here? Or are you just relegated like me? You're going for the popcorn. Once again, you struggle with these kind of movies where you have to use your imagination and and have and have a vision about the future. This this is just futuristic. That's all. That's why you that's why you don't watch any sci fi. That's right. No sci fi for you, no westerns, which is a sad, sorry state. But we are gonna get you in the right direction <laughs> and we're gonna get you right. Look how fired up he is. See how fired up he is? Jeez. Oh, Okay, I, I can deal with Zamunda, but I don't know if I can deal with Wakanda. <laughs> well, worst, worst comes to worst, we'll, we'll get you, we'll load you up with some popcorn. Uh, there you go, that. so, so, ring the bell, I'm there, that's it, that's all I need, that's all I need. I'll order the popcorn, the fresh, hot popcorn, there it is, gotta be fresh. Uh, that's right. And let me pick the theater, we'll go to my theater, uh, where, we'll, 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 we'll get the... The red carpet treatment, you get to sit in the recliner, lay in the recliner, to go all the way back. We're not going to be sitting in the second row, and you may fall asleep during this movie because you'll be so comfortable. I'm just really curious why I wasn't in your theater before. Okay. What did you take okay. to the <laughs> What, what theater did you if give you before? You remember, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not, do you want me to do this? I mean, do you want me to 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 embarrass you or you know the people that were with us? That do you want me to do that? I mean, we were sitting at a restaurant, and all of a sudden, you mentioned Black Panther, and wow, let's go see Black Panther. Where is it playing at? And your better half got on her phone and said, "Hey, there's a theater right down the street." Uh, from the restaurant that we were at, and we went there, and the timing was perfect, but there was like 10,000 people in that theater. So again, I my hands were tied. I didn't get a chance to make the decision. Remember, I rode with you. I was in the passenger seat. So this wasn't that I was hosting, okay? I wasn't hosting this 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 trip. You were. <laughs> Wow, you know <laughs> that is the truth. Is this, it? Did, did I not say the story as accurately as it happened? I I, I don't recall it happening <laughs> that way. But this, maybe this you had too many margaritas story. at the restaurant and you don't remember. This, this this is a typical this is a typical sports story where you have somebody who doesn't want to own up to the fact that, Listen, they, that, that they screwed it up. I, I, hey, look, I wine look, and dine. And, I picked and, the restaurant. And, it wasn't my idea and, to go and, to the movie. I'm telling you, next and, movie, I will, I will pick athlete, the theater. Athlete and a coach, when you don't do well and you're not happy, you got to own up. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'll just leave it up to you. All right. Uh, What's wrong with the Lakers, man? They're two and nine. They've lost four in a row. They're non-competitive. They're getting blown out in all these games, man. And I know. How do you feel about this? Are you are you are you happy to see this? Glad to see this? Are you sad because your boy LeBron James is is on a on a losing team here? Uh, give me your take on the Lakers, man. Let's go back to the Lakers. Uh, my boy LeBron. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get back to them okay. now. 
this this is what you should be talking about is this inappropriate behavior that's going on in Brooklyn where a guy gets suspended. Oh, let's do that. Okay. For, yeah. For 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 making these these kind of comments. Um and it's not something that just happened because it's it's, it's happened before. Um it's just really confusing how something like this can happen. Uh especially a black guy. Yeah. Uh, talking about somebody's Jewish in our lake, you know, you know what's funny? That doesn't he know the history of our lake? My 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 first head coach in the lake was Red Holtzman, right? My teammate Ernie Grenville, mm-hmm. right? Has he never heard of Dob Shays? Has he never heard of him? Of course he hasn't. He hasn't heard of any of these guys, man. Because, again, he's in this woke society. He's a millennial. Whatever you want to call him, G-Zen, XYZ. I have no idea. He's on his own planet, man. He has no idea about the history of the league. He He doesn't have any respect, it seems like, for anybody. I mean, come on. I mean... And he's Uncle Drew, though. I'll give him that. He was decent in basketball, but I like that better than Black Panther. That's the only thing I'm going to give him. <laughs> That's it. What is? Well, we'll, 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 we'll get back to your hate for Black Panther. This is interesting. Yeah. So, um, it's but, not but, hate, but I'm just, just not really, interested. But, but but I'm just really confused by one thing: people that who try to hurt. Other people for for no reason, probably people that they don't they don't even know. Um, people who have great lives now, now think about this: people have great lives, make a lot of money, a boatload of money. Everything that's not going to make them happy because when you know COVID was was there and he didn't want to get a shot, so he didn't play, uh, which which hurt the team. <sighs> Um, just a lot of questions. So let me ask you a question. So you're the owner of Brooklyn. You're the owner. What are you going to do with this guy? I would have shipped him out a long time ago. I would have shipped him out last year. Exactly. I don't want anybody in that locker room that doesn't want to be there. That is a disruption. That is a cancer. And I've said that before with him, with, with every team, every sport, you better have cohesion in the locker room, plain and simple. And if this guy or somebody's not on the same page, you jettison him. You get him out, plain and simple. I don't care, you know, if you're stuck paying this guy money or whatever. And that was a mistake you made. You know, get rid of your GM. You get rid of Sean Marks. He's no type of GM president material anyway. No, you, you gotta you gotta cut loose, man. You cut loose for the better betterment of your team. Again, because it how many times has this guy opened his mouth and it's gone south? Or he decides to play he doesn't want to play. I, I I'm tired of the drama. Uh, well, okay, let's go back to Sean Marks. Sean Marks is doing a great job. Really? I like Sean Marks. He's a great person. He's the one that yeah. he's the guy that said, Bring this guy here. Well, he may have suggested that. Ultimately, it's not his, you know. I know he's not writing the check. I get it. So what I'm saying is that make our team better. He's done that. Now he's going to have to tweak it. And now you got a big decision to make. So um, you say get rid of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with him. Um, you know, as you know, I'm a team guy. Yeah. The team comes first. Uh, that's how you're going to win a championship. Um, so 
I just think it's amazing that you can have inappropriate behavior on your team amongst your starters or your stars, and somehow it's okay. A situation happened here at Golden State. Draymond Green punches a teammate. So what happened? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Now, if he was a non-starter or star, would something have happened? Probably. Every organization is is different. Yeah, we could. I mean, man. Well, thank you very much for hijacking this uh, segment. Uh, You know, I I wish we would have brought this up. You know, you know earlier instead of talking about Black Panther and the Dons and and Texas Southern and all this other stuff. Jeez. Well, Dons, Dons, we should have brought up Uh, Black Panther. You've got to. I don't know. Maybe you should. Maybe we should call somebody because you got to talk to somebody about Black Panther. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about this Uh, when you get to town. I'm sure it'll still be playing. So there we go. All right, man. There you go. Have a good time in Wakanda or whatever it is. All right? There you go. Maybe you can stop by there before you come to Vegas. Hey, all I know is when I get there, I better see some green gold on you. I don't want to see any bad stuff. Get off the fence. Come on, dude. Pick it up. You're better than that. Listen, I'll have some chicken for you. That's Just be happy you're getting chicken <laughs> and steak. No, we're, no, we're going Mexican. That's, what, that's, that's what we're right, going. baby. We're going all. All the above. You got that right. What's that? Yeah. And, and, and I want some soup. Stuff. You're getting your Alban de Gas and your flaming fajitas. Don't worry, brother. Talk to you soon. <laughs> My man. Go Don. Oh, go Don's. Don's, baby. We, Don's, you know, that got mentioned more in this conversation than it does when they're here for March Madness. Ah. More nonsense. No, we're picking it up. Bob Nightingale, Scott Sprites are next hour. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Slaves line drive. That is down. to the wall. Cruz is in. Pierce is in. Party around. Oh, he's going to try to score. And save. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Boat lines it into left field. A base hit. Cespedes will score. And the Oakland A's walk off with game two of the ALTS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air center field. That ball's hit well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner. The doctor is now in. Still baseball season? Oh, you know what? By the way, 141 days till opening day. Your Houston Astros opening up against the Chicago White Sox. There it is. The countdown has begun already in Houston. <laughs> so that means our next guest will get a little bit of a vacation, but not very much. Bob Nightingale, the esteemed writer from the USA Today, and you can uh, see his stuff uh, everywhere. Actually in town here for the, uh, the GM meetings here of Major League Baseball. So uh, a busy, busy man. And, of course, continues to write uh, great stuff uh, for the USA Today. What's up, my friend? What's going on? Yeah, doing good. So, uh, still in town here. The GMs just broke up. And now, Taylor Russo's got some big uh, ARF event the next couple of days. So, 
I am leaving. <laughs> you are leaving. There it is. I mean, you know, you are like always hobnobbing with everybody, man. You know, it just it does does it ever stop for you? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's a fun time. I'm funnest time of the year is the postseason. Obviously, a great time in the World Series and spring training. That's my second favorite time. Yeah, so, yeah, but no, it's a, a uh, yeah. Lewis has got a big event. He's got full holes coming in. A lot of stars, a lot of celebrities. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, you know. Cool event for La Rosa in the Art Foundation. So, should you tell Tony to, to take it easy a little bit? I mean, remember, man. You know, again, we were a little worried about him. You know, with uh, with his ticker and everything. Is he in, is he in good shape? Uh, oh, just okay, okay, yeah, not good shape. He's okay. Wow. And that's why that's why he uh, you know retired. Yeah. White Sox he just cannot he cannot do it next year. Wow. All right. Bob Nightingale uh, joins us. So it was great uh, seeing you in Houston uh, again. The uh, celebration, the clincher, uh, game six. Uh, Bob was all over the place. He was on the field, uh, everywhere, um, press box, uh, clubhouse, uh, at, our, at our favorite restaurants uh, before and after the game. So, again, like I said, the guy gets uh, everywhere here, Bob. Uh, what was the best part of all that for you? That's what I want to know. I mean, it was it was nonstop. I know you had very little sleep. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, it wasn't number one, but up there was having uh, Jim Crane's eight hundred dollar bottle of wine. That was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, now I know what that tastes like. <laughs> exactly. Hey, now you were in the wine room with us. What do you think about that wine room that he's got there? Is that phenomenal or what? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. He has a banquet room. I went to his banquet room in the back uh, uh, later on. But yeah, cool wine room, a cool restaurant. I mean, that that food is uh, great. And I, uh, you know, I wish I could stay for the uh, parade, but I had to come here. Right. Yeah, but he had he said there was like two million people. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a. Uh, it was amazing. So you know, my hotel was overlooking the ballpark, you know, at the West in there. Yep. And the next day after the World Series, we're talking Sunday, there was a line around the whole stadium for people trying to buy Astro merchandise. It was incredible. It's like it never went before. You know, they won 17, but it was just a, uh, I can't imagine how much merchandise they sold. Uh, Bob, I was, I was tempted to go stay in that line. So I walked down there and uh, on Sunday and I was talking to this lady. She was about like 50 yards from the front door. And I go, how long have you been waiting in line? She goes, an hour and 50 minutes. And, and oh, I, I, are you kidding me? And then she goes, yeah, it's wrapped around. There were people standing in line for two and a half hours in that line. I and I, and I, I was going to bring home some merchandise. I really was. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to cut in line. I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those guys, but no way in the world that I was standing in line for over two hours. Uh, but you're right, and it didn't stop. So that was around 11 in the morning. So I bounced back there about 3 in the afternoon to see if it, it died down a little bit. Not at all. No. Not at no, all. No. And they had the face painting. They had the DJ. They had the music. They had all that stuff. I even shot a little video. of it. They had some cars going out. These guys were, like, getting an early start oh, of the yeah, parade. Cars. I saw those cars, too. Yeah, those car- I went to, you know, Dusty's later that day. And, uh, yeah, those cars, I know exactly what you're talking about. Those cars are pretty cool. Oh, man, crazy stuff. All right. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the article that, that came out the next day uh, on Dusty. And, again, I know it's, it's close to your heart, just, uh, just like it is mine. And you chronicled the day with him on Saturday, the day they won it. So I want to ask you, Bob, and once you go into detail with that, were you uh, just were you tagging along, following along with him during that day, or was that just information that he gave you? But I, I, I kind of imagine that you were 
you were just kind of chronicling, you know, uh, 24 hours with Dusty. Yeah, it was fun. You know, got, you know, Dusty filled me in and Melissa filled me in as far as what time he woke up, you know, that sort of thing. And came to the snooze bar. Uh, but yeah, it was fun being in his office. It was all said and done. I was the only one in there. And just, you know, watching the Hall of Fame guys come in and say, uh, hey, Dusty, we already have your uniform. Can we have your wristbands? You know, he flips them right to him. And they go, okay, I have a, this is a crazy request. We know. Can we get a toothpick? So Dusty actually reaches in his, in his drawer to, you know, yeah, get one out. I think they wanted him to put it in his mouth, but he did it. They just, you know, gave him a toothpick. And then, you know, at the same time, they're saying, okay, the parade is Monday. Uh, you know, Dusty goes, I thought it was going to be Tuesday. They said, oh, we're, uh, that's voting day. You can't, election day. You can't right. do that. And then just, you know, what time you had to be there? And hey, stick around town because Jim Crane needs to talk to you about your deal. Yeah, so it was uh, it was cool to see that. Right, 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 right. No, just uh, seeing him in the moment like that, you know, knew it was, it was going to come eventually, a long time coming, and it it was it was close. It was great to to, to be able to to see him, you know, revel in that and and, and be part of that. Uh, it, it, it's great, especially for someone who, like you said, that we know very very well, but also just one of the good guys in all of baseball. That uh, again, no one can have a bad thing to say uh, about Dusty. So whether you don't like the Astros or not, I, you know, you still got to be very, very happy for that man. And uh, it was just a glorious day and a glorious night for him. Yeah, it really was. I mean, 25 years of having World Series, managing more games, not that World Series championship. I mean, he was in the Hall of Fame anyway, but that was the only thing missing in his resume. Now he has, and I think he's. You know, I was as happy as I've seen him this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, because after winning the 2000 game, I think he's even going to have more fun, relaxed next year because he's already got it. Exactly. You know, I, I think he'll have more. Uh, just say, hey, somebody wants to second guess, you know, go ahead. But he's not. He doesn't care one iota. And uh, I just, I think he'll really enjoy himself this next year. Mm-hmm. So Dusty signs the one-year deal with the Astros, another one-year deal. Uh, and it was cool to see Jim Crane come in and, 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 and give Dusty the thanks and the praise after the game that night. That was very cool. And then, so I know they, they got together, um, you know, after the parade or, you know, the next day of the following and, and come to that agreement. Uh, do you know any of the details about the contract? I know this you know, last contract, you know, had incentives if you win the division, right. you know, if you get to the World Series, win the World Series. So I imagine it has the same type of thing, which is pretty standard a lot of manager contracts. Mm. And let's be honest, they don't pay managers like they used to. No. You know, I mean, uh, Joe Torrey was making $8 million a year there with the Dodgers. You know, Pinella and LaRusso's guys were making, you know, four to, um, close to $6 million. So those, those times have kind of changed. You know, even Bro- Bruce Bochy had to take a, a good-sized pay cut you know, going from $6 million this last year in San Francisco, you know, a million or two less uh, in his new job. Hmm. So, but yeah, one year and, uh, but, you know, press conference, Dusty didn't say this is it. But I think he's thinking just one more year. But right. hey, if you win it again, why not try to go for three in a row? Right. Absolutely. And, and again, and we know that he is down for that, but it just seems like, you know, that the upper management wants to just play this year by year because it seems like, you know, they've got their guy in waiting, you know, probably Joe Espada. But it, again, you know, when you've got this magic going and you got one of the legendary managers who just, who gets along so well with players and everybody, you, you, and if he wants to be there, you just got to let this thing ride out. I mean, it's just, it is a no brainer. I mean, it really is a no brainer. And like you said, because it's not like they are paying him four or five million a season. They're not. 
You know, again, it's it's you know he's he's getting a low ball deal again, but he he they, it's enough for him to be happy. And like you said, it's it's laden with incentives like this one was. And I know he's very happy about his World Series bonus. So that's that's very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, it, when you go to the Hall of Fame, they yes. ask you which hat you want to have. Uh, you know, Larissa went with no cap. Obviously, Bobby Cox has Atlanta one. Tory had Yankee. I don't sure what Dusty would do. I would think if he has any cap, it would be the Astros because Astros, you know, uh, rejuvenated his whole career. He gave him that chance. He think he was going to come. Particularly if he stays on as the Astros as a special assistant. So uh, I think he's either going to wear an Astro cap in the, role, the Hall of Fame or, 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 or no cap. Really? And see, I would probably lean towards the Giants cap. Just because it was, they gave him the opportunity, and then you know he was back there uh, in an advisory role uh, as well. You know before he took uh, the Astros job, and again, so I don't know. You know maybe you know that that's a that's a great question only that he could answer. But they have, but yeah, I, yeah, but they also fired him. Everyone, you know, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's true. He won his World Series championship in Houston. I don't know. I, that's true. I, I think it'd be the Astros. I know it's going to be a longer stay with the Giants, but I think he'd be winning with a Giants cap. That'd be a huge slap in the face for the Astros. Yeah, so that's why I, yeah. I don't. I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I like that. I mean, I do like that. And the only reason I brought up the Giants because you know he did go back to work for them, where it's like, hey, okay, you know, maybe I don't want to go back because you did fire me or whatever. But a little different regime, and and, and, and he went back in, in another capacity. But uh, just happy for him. And hey, it, it's great. We get to go back to Houston uh, next year and see some more baseball. Hopefully, the Astros. Uh, can can do it again. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, they may have to cap off. Yeah, may have to cap off season ticket sales. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now yeah. on the other side, so Dusty's resigned, but the big news here is that General Manager James Click may not be back. What are you hearing? Well, they offered him a one-year contract. He just hasn't taken it yet. Okay. Uh, you know, Brian Cash has been offered a contract. He hasn't signed his yet either. So more negotiations. I mean, at some point, they say either take it or leave it. We'll go hire someone else. And there's only 30 of those jobs, you end up taking it. Now, the, you know, the, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, in a year, you know, David Stearns, who was the vice president of baseball operations for the Brewers, used to be with the Astros. Uh, his contract is over. He, you know, he stepped down from his job a couple of weeks ago. Right. That's the name you keep hearing that, okay, they want to fill that job in a year from now. He's going to be the guy. It's just interesting with Click because I just have the feeling there, Bob, that you know things were not that smooth, and there was a little disconnect between you know Click and, and members of the organization. Uh, so if you have an opportunity to get out from underneath him, why wouldn't you just want to, you know, get your own guy here and and, and make a pairing that is going to be very very good for Dusty. And, and and the rest of this organization, there'd be nothing wrong with that because let's be honest, Jim Crane took a a bigger role and a bigger say in this year's team, and I think because he wasn't completely happy with the job that Click was doing. Yeah, just I mean the fact that they were in World Series, I mean it would be a PR disaster disaster not to give him a contract. Then you're like, okay, you know, you're upstaging World Series by doing that. Uh, what's going on there? Does anybody really want to come in there and work for him? Knowing they just went a World Series, went the back-to-back World Series and get let go. So I think Crane did the right thing. You give him a one-year contract. Now, if he wants to step away on his own, hey, that's fine. But I think they had no choice but to offer him a contract. Mm-hmm. All right. So going forward, uh, free agency time right now. Hot Stove League, as as you well know, uh, 
just focusing on the Astros, uh, who do you think is back and who's not back for the Strohs? I don't think Verlander's back. Uh, really? It's good to sense someone's going to overpay. Uh, you know, more at least overpay more than the Astros want to pay. And, you know, the Astros got the best of them. They missed the best he's ever been, you know, back to the Tiger days. So I think it's a situation where maybe the Dodgers give him a, like, you know, a, a fat three year contract for, you know, 35, 40 a year. The Mets do, Yankees do, someone, someone does. So I just get the sense that he's gone. Yeah, we'll see if he wants to bring back Brantley. Uh, the new, the new center fielder, maybe Kevin Kiermeyer, who's got non tendered by the uh, uh, Tempe Rays is a possibility. So we'll see about a guy like Michael Brantley to bring him back at a at a discount price. Right. Uh, Guriel, I, I think they let walk, particularly having the knee injury in the year. Yeah, you just know what, no, don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and with Verlander. You know, he had a twenty five million dollar. Uh, option and he basically, you know, the belief is he's opting out of that, right? And if you actually think right. that, that people, there's going to be a team that would go above 25 million for Verlander at his age. And, and, you know, I know he had the great year, but, you know, still the back of your mind is that Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I mean, Scherzer got three years for 130. We'll see what Jacob Dragon uh, gets. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right about the age, but man, he, he's going to win the Cy Young Award with yeah. the 175 ERA. So he's, he's got to get at least two years at $70 million minimum, mm-hmm. if not, you know, two years of some type of option, uh, making over $100 million. So, no, I think, I think he's going to get a nice deal somewhere. All right. So the postseason awards, this thing really irritates me, Bob. I, I Please explain this to me. Uh, AL Manager of the Year. We know who uh, the the nominees are, and Dusty Baker is not one of the three nominees. It's Scott Service, Brandon Hyde, and Terry Francona. Uh, no disrespect to any of those guys, but how can Bake not even be a nominee? Well, it's two things. One is a uh, it's done at the end of the regular season. Yeah, so you don't know what you know, what Dasser's going to do. Uh, I, I, 106 wins though, Bob, 106 wins. Yeah, I know. I know. I think that award should be after the world series and I lobby for that. Right. And they go anywhere. In this award, you pretty much have to win it. You got to be a stunning surprise and pretty much be a playoff team or close to it. So all three cases, Hey, Cleveland wasn't supposed to win the division. Seattle was supposed to stink. Orioles were supposed to stink to high heavens again. So all three teams, you know, over, overachieved. So that's where it goes on. You know, I mean, Dave Roberts isn't winning it either, but the uh, Dodgers uh, with their wins. So it's almost like you got you got to stink to win it. So hey, if the uh, Astros win seventy games next year, Dusty stays on board and they win the World Series the year after, then he'll win it. It's almost like you can't win it unless you have a just a huge surprising year. And, and you're you're right. That's that's it. Seems that's what their criteria. But that criteria is ridiculous. It's insane. I mean, you just, it's real, a simple formula. You sit there and you take who did the best job for their team. Forget expected wins or whatever it is. Oh, these guys overachieved. Oh, Baltimore was four games over 500. Oh, your manager of the year. Forget about it. I mean, Scott Service, you know, come on, forget about it. I mean, Terry Francona, nice job, but, you know, Cleveland is, is, a, is a team that was very young, fine, but no, they didn't blow anybody away. The Astros went wire to wire. Dusty managed this thing just phenomenally. I'm not just saying because he's my friend, but no, it's just ridiculous. 
You know that that, that he's not like even on the ballot. Yeah. yeah, it's like what, call it the most improved award or something like that, or the like you said. What do you say? The unexpected award or come out of nowhere award. Call it that. Do not say manager of the year because these guys, none of them, are the true manager of the year. Was that the comeback for the year in baseball? Right. And it's impossible to win it two years in a row. So it's almost like the manager award should be comeback manager of the year award. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what it comes down to is like you know, hey and. Whenever January, February, and Vegas, you can go to your favorite casino. They'll have over/unders and how many uh, games a team's supposed to win. At the end of the season, whoever does the best, like oh man, there were like 25 games over what the over over/under line was. That guy's giving you advantage of the year. It just it goes simply and, on that. And here's um, the, you can just go to Vegas and bet on it. And here's the thing. Speaking of that, Bob, the Astros were 12 to one. I just cashed in my ticket for 12. They weren't the favorite. They were they were a twelve to one underdog to win this thing. It wasn't you know once they started rolling and everything. Yeah, then the odds started to plummet. But it's just it's crazy. And then let's talk about the AL Rookie of the Year. I mean Jeremy Pena not even nominated, but all year it was Rodriguez and Pena, right? Rodriguez and Pena, and then Pena doesn't he? You know, I and I understand it's a regular season award, but still twenty two homers and what he did in his rookie season all year. I don't know about you, but all I heard was Rodriguez and Pena, and there's no Pena even in the finalist. Yeah, he should have been one of the three guys. Uh, obviously, Rodriguez's name was out there all season long. But yeah, if you did the award after the postseason was over, you probably go Pena one, Rodriguez two. So yeah, I, I think just his season. That's the thing now is like if you're on a really good team, you kind of uh, people kind of forget about you, like Otani. People are going to forget about him just because he's already won the MVP. And I think it, you know, in these situations, it's just the the, the biggest surprise, the guy that you know nobody saw coming, right. you know, sort of thing. Now we go to MVP. You, you know, that argument would apply to Jordan Alvarez, right? But it seems like Judge is going to be, you know, maybe a landslide winner. What What is your vote on that? Yeah, it would be a yeah. Judge one, Otani two, Alvarez three. When they not when they said Alvarez won the finalists. It's like, okay, congratulations, you won third place. Right. There's no way he's getting, there's no way he's getting second place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be uh, his 31st place votes. I bet oh, I bet Judge gets about 24 of them. Then mm-hmm. uh, Otani gets the others. And then whatever Judge doesn't get first place, they get those second place votes. Right. Bob Nightingale joins us, USA Today. Bob, just back from the World Series. He's here in Vegas at the general manager meetings for Major League Baseball. Real quick before we let you go, Bob. So what is uh, these meetings all about uh, besides just, uh, you know, uh, e- eating and drinking and going to good restaurants and hitting some shows? Uh, wh- any any type of breaking news that have come out of this that, uh, that you're covering here that you're going to be writing about? No, no real breaking news. The biggest news is how aggressive the San Francisco Giants plan to be for a judge and you know some other free agents. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest news is just that the Giants are very serious here. The Yankees are taking a serious uh, contender for them. And uh, you don't really hear about anybody else. Uh, it's going to be, you know, I, I think it's going to be Judge Yankees or Judge Giants. I don't see anywhere else that he could be going to. So is most of the conversation at these meetings about potential you know trades or free agency stuff or are is diving into to the rules changes and other things of that nature what else takes place yeah they talk about different rule changes you know what do you about what do you think about strike zone a couple of years uh when teams uh and they talk to the agents are here although you're not allowed to talk about money until uh this afternoon and then uh teams talk trades okay what do you plan to do this winter 
so usually it's just going to set the stage for later on the winter, like the, like the winter meetings in a few weeks. Mm. All right. Well, Bob, uh, what are your plans? Are you getting out of town here pretty soon, right? What, what's uh? Yeah, you know, we, time, yeah. We'll have a little, have a little lunch at the uh, restaurant and uh, you know a little cocktails later, maybe hit the table a little later, <laughs> and then uh, back home. There you go, man. All right. Well, uh, well, thank you for uh, visiting uh, with us today, visiting our great city, and of course, uh, great seeing you in Houston, my friend. Uh, and fantastic article uh, as well, too, as you always have. I really enjoyed your coverage, of course, all season long, and uh, we'll definitely, uh, uh, you know, keep uh, keep in touch with you here, especially with the uh, hot stove league uh, upon us now. All right. Thank you, TC. You too. Appreciate you, buddy. There he is. Bullet Bob Nightingale. There we go. That's what Bosio calls Bullet Bob. So when he when he came into the to the room with Dusty and I, we were celebrating. I go, "There's Bullet Bob." He had this big, nice blue suit on too. Nunchuck. You would have liked it. He was like a very bright, bright blue. I'm a red guy. I'm a red guy. You're a red guy. You're not a blue guy. No. Have you ever really seen red, me in blue? Red, white, and blue. Have I ever seen you in blue? Yeah, I've seen you in blue. I mean, I have like my cub, cub, cub stuff. Okay, that's bear stuff. Okay, hold on. What cub stuff is different? Bear stuff I don't wear anymore because they yeah. stink. Yeah, yeah. So it's like now it's just I, I go neutral. I, I go colorblind for you people. go neutral. I, I go neutral for colorblind people. There you go. Well, I can't go neutral according to Cartwright. That's what he said, right? Uh, all right. Baseball that basically puts a wrap on baseball in our coverage this year and uh wanted to again talk to talk to bob nightingale regarding that it was great stuff that we had um during the course of this entire baseball season of course uh during the postseason and uh all of our crew that uh chimed in from uh steve Sachs to chris bosio on a regular basis dave smoke stewart Derek lee uh larry boa uh list goes on and on bob kendrick president of the negro league museum uh, and of course, Bob Nightingale for joining us, uh, on a regular basis as well, too. So great baseball coverage that you got here. And, uh, we will, uh, wrap up the season talking to Darren Baker next week as well, too. So, um, when Darren gets back home, uh, with Dusty, uh, thought that would be interesting to talk to Darren about, uh, his perspective and what he's doing in life. And, uh, <clears throat> Very, very good story with that as well, too. He's with the Nats, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our Nats farm team. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, playing in the Arizona Fall League right now, but he's he's currently injured, has a hand injury. But again, you know, people remember Darren when he was three years old and, you know, going out to, during the World Series, going to get the bat and JT Snow, you know, picks him up. Uh, that's that's going to be with him uh, forever. But a fantastic uh, baseball player in his own right. Uh of course, more than likely, he's not going to have the career that his, his dad had. Uh, very tough to make it as a major league ball player. But uh, <clears throat> Darren is, what, uh, third year now in the minors. So wish him the best. But, yeah, we're going to have him on the show. And, again, uh, one of my favorites, a kid that I've known for a very, very long time. So uh, get, hear his take about uh, being, you know, with his dad and being part of uh, these all these organizations that he's got a chance to grow up around. And of course, you know, being there for this World Series with Dusty as well. Very, very cool. All right. We come back. Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll talk a little NFL college football and more. We handicap the card and we get ready, of course, as you know, for our show at the Westgate tomorrow. 
with our best bet segment. So make sure that you join us. Jay Schrader will be in the house. Join us, the quarterback, the former quarterback of the Raiders. And uh, we'll get his thoughts about the weekend action as well as Raiders and Colts coming up on Sunday. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless. And what I say, you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. All right, don't forget, we've got Boxing at the Palms coming up Saturday night and your chance to win tickets. It's real simple. Just give us a call and just say, I want to go to boxing. That's all you got to do. 702-221-7283. And uh, Numchuck will take care of you. we got Boxing at the Palms, top-ranked boxing, Coming your way this coming Saturday night, and we do have a very good world middleweight championship bout with uh, Yanabek against Bentley. Top ranked boxing Saturday night at the Pearl Theater inside the Palms. All right, so you want to go? And also, we have a, uh, a little Twitter contest going on as well, too. So hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21 and you just got to tell me why you want to go. And uh, we'll hook you up with tickets. Great seats inside the Pearl Theater at the Palms, 702-221-7283. And also hit me on Twitter for our Twitter contest there at TCMartin21. So, yes, top-ranked boxing. Doing it back here in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, broadcast by ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. All right. Wow. We duck about a little football as we get ready for this weekend. Bring in our handicapper extraordinaire, the one and only Scott Spritzer. What's up, Scooter? What's happening, man? Good to talk to you first time in a few days. I know, man. I know. Just uh, what have you been up to, man? I know you've been handicapping about 1,200 college basketball games, probably uh, you know some international play as well, too. And I know you're getting ready for <laughs> World Cup, aren't you? Get ready for World Cup, and we do uh, handicap soccer each and every day, so we're ready to go. But you're right, man. College basketball, holy cow. Sunday was interesting because usually TC, I'll, I'll sit down on Sunday afternoons after the early games in the NFL have gone final, and I'll start looking at the next week's college and pro football games. And, of course, this week there were only two late games anyway on Sunday afternoon. So I got to sit down, though, and instead of just doing football and taking a couple of hours to do that, I got to uh, handicap about 120 college basketball games for Monday. Uh, that took several hours to to kind of finalize what it already kind of does with some preliminary handicapping earlier in the week. But I'll tell you what, Tuesday, Wednesday, today of just a few, just a handful of college basketball games was a welcome relief after Monday's crazy, crazy busy card. All right, so let's take us through how that goes for you, okay? First of all, you you take your deep breath. Hopefully you've had plenty of sleep. I don't know what time of day this starts for you. Uh, if it's your traditional, you know, 10 p.m. and then you work till four in the morning. But when you're going through that many games, uh, kind of take us through the process and then do you whittle it down to a certain number before you decide, okay, these are going to be my plays and these is what I'm giving out to my clients. What is a procedure when you have that kind of a card and it's early on where you have basically no eye test because you haven't seen anybody play? Yeah, as a good friend of mine has always said, when it comes to the first couple of days of a season, especially in daily sports, 
excuse the grammar, but he likes to say nobody knows nothing about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> That's basically it. We haven't seen anybody play. So what I start doing is a couple of weeks before the season tips off, I get a lot of initial work done. Like I like to look and see for college basketball how many starters, of course, are coming back for each team, and also point guards. I start with the point guards. If I've got returning point guards and they were good point guards, who didn't turn the ball over too much the prior season and dished out a lot of assists, well, then I've got an advantage with that team if the other team is replacing their dish or their point guard. So I start looking at point guards. Then I look at you know teams that are returning starters as opposed to those who aren't. There's a, a real nice – hardly comes up, and there's a real nice early season angle where if you've got a team with four or five starters returning against a team with one or no starters returning, playing on the team with four or five starters has done well for the bankroll, especially if the one starter back for the other team is not their point guard. So I'll start looking at all those kind of things, and then I make lines a couple of days later. So I had lines done about, oh, I'm going to say five, six days before the games, uh, before last Sunday. And, you know, the lines, again, they're not as sharp as you would be uh, you know, in the middle of the season because you haven't seen anybody play yet. So then when the lines come out, I start looking at those, and what I'll say is, okay, I, I usually tend to look for favorites of four points or less if I've got the other team favored on my ratings. And it worked out well on Monday night because we had South Dakota State out of the blocks. They were an underdog, and they got a win at Akron. Had to go to overtime to get it. Hate going to overtime with underdogs, uh, but that was the case, and we still got the win. And, and so that's what I tend to do early on in the season. And then after each team gets two to three games under their belt, assist-to-turnover ratio becomes a real big deal to me over the next month of the season before we get into conference play. So what is your music choice going? Now, you got music in the background, or are you just locked in, door closed, silence? Uh, you, you got you got your vino going? What, what do you got going there? Yeah, the best thing, <laughs> the best thing, TC, is, you know, the kid's off to college. Uh, my wife, when she says, okay, you're going to be working all day, I'm going to go over to my sister's, we're going to go shopping, all that kind of stuff, I crank up the tunes. I've got the TV on, maybe a game or something, but the sound turned all the way down in the office. i got the tunes going. I cover just about every genre, as you know. But i got to be I got to be candid. i got to tell you where I go when it comes to handicapping a big college card. Yeah. The Ramones. Okay. I'm telling you, the yeah. Ramones, and i got to go loud followed by a little chili peppers. But uh, I like that upbeat kind of positive yeah. you know, vibe going on when you're handicapping a bunch of college basketball games. You know what? That is exactly what I was thinking the, in that direction, that, that that was you. I mean, I have this vision, you know, you in, you in the office and, you know, kind of bobbing your head and cranking this up. I, I kind of knew that. <laughs> I did know that, you know? And, of course, by the end of handicapping a 100-game card TC, it's a gimme, gimme shock treatment yeah. by the Ramones. <laughs> You know, good one, good one. <laughs> and I know you can have a little parliament and flashlight, you know, sprinkled in there. You know, maybe of towards course, the end. Yeah. So, of course. Good deal. There it is. There as it long is. as it's a positive vibe, I'm listening to it when I'm handicapping. No doubt about it. There it is. That's Scott Spritzer's uh, method to his madness, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. <laughs> you gotta love it. All right. I don't know what kind of method to your madness when you're trying to handicap some Thursday night football. And, you know, I'm, I've just kind of been a big, I've always been an anti Thursday night game for the most part. Again, we, they're not the top teams and we always get the, the goofy color rush jerk. I mean, it's always some gimmick. And tonight, Scott, I can't get excited about Atlanta and Carolina. You know, Atlanta's a three point favorite, but is there some value there? What do you think, man? Yeah, I, I, I like the Carolina here a little bit, and it's not a huge play or anything like that. I'm kind of like you. I'm pretty conservative when it comes to plays that I make on Thursdays, and I don't often play Thursday night football, but 
you know, P.J. Walker's been upgraded. He's going to start. Carolina's going to have a little payback on their minds after that horrible way they lost a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago to Atlanta. Uh, Panthers are still in the race of the division. That's the crazy thing. They've got two wins, but they're in a division that's led by Tampa Bay, who has four wins and five losses. So there's reason to be focused, like their play for the most part since the coaching change. And Atlanta's defensive injury list just continues to grow and grow. And so I do like the Carolina Panthers here. I actually made the game pick them. They're getting two and a half, pretty decent amount of points away from what I made the numbers. So went ahead and took a shot. Again, not the biggest play of the week, but it's a play nonetheless. P.J. Walker versus Marcus Mariota, huh? You, did you Outstanding. Th- did you think that, you had to be in the All Pro game? I was going to say, did you think you would see that in the NFL or maybe the CFL? You know, yeah, you know, CFL wouldn't have been a bad idea for these two, right? That's what, <laughs> that, that, that comes to my mind right there. All right, uh, let's go to the Saturday board uh, college uh, football here, and uh, well, let's actually let's, let's go to Friday night, my friend, because I know how you like going over to uh, watch UNLV play. Uh, Fresno State coming to town. Fresno State a nine and a half point favorite. It just seems like okay, here we go. The the fans are back to the you know apathy version again. Okay, here we go. UNLV now they're nearly a double digit underdog again. When you know uh, spirits were kind of high earlier on, and then you know came crashing down here once again. Scott, give us your take on uh, not only the the spread here and the matchup between Fresno State at UNLV, but just where the Rebels are at right now. Yeah, you know, the, it's so unfortunate that they lost Brumfield, you know, because they were cruising. They had won four out of five. Uh, he, he's a legitimate starting quarterback in, in, at the college football level, and UNLV hasn't had a lot of success or talent at the quarterback's position for several years. And so with Brumfield, they're out there, they're playing well. They were extremely confident. He was picking teams apart. He could run with the football when he had to. They got off to the great start. He gets injured. They miss a couple of games. They're back to playing quarterbacks that probably shouldn't even be playing at, you know, this level of football. And the offense just went, you know, hit the skids, went to crap. And so they lose a couple of games in a row. He comes back. He shakes off the rust. I will give him credit. Uh, they did cover the point spread last week, which was good because I decided to jump in on them. I did expect more out of the offense. If you would have told me they were going to score, what, 10 points, I would have thought I was going to lose the game. I think they're getting a little bit shortchanged here. I'm not betting the game, but if I had to, I would take the points. I know Fresno's quarterback is healthy coming back and all that kind of stuff finally to the team, and it's a good football team. But Brumfield had a chance to shake off the rust, and I think nine and a half is just a tad too high. Having said that, I don't want to plunk my money down on UNLV right now until I see that rust has been shaken off and the offense is back to the way it was playing the first few games of the season when he was healthy. But again, if I had to, I would take the points rather than lay it. All right, Alabama and Ole Miss. Alabama an eleven point favorite in this game, and I know there are people that like Ole Miss in this situation, especially being at home. It uh, it's kind of hard to fathom that Alabama would would lose here again, Scott. Uh, the number seems like it's a little bit inflated here because I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, yeah, Alabama's going to bounce back, and we do normally see Saban's teams get stronger as the year progresses, but this is not you know the typical Alabama season that we're seeing right now. Well, they're, they're off of two plays from being 9-0. So it's like I, I keep, you know, like hearing some you know, Greg McElroy who played for Bama, uh, Paul Feinbaum, who I've done plenty of his shows years ago, you know, really questioning what's going on in Alabama. I get it. They're not as disciplined as we've seen under Nick Saban. They've committed a busload of penalties. I think it's like 80 penalties now or thereabouts so far this season. But the, the thing is, is they're two plays away from being 9-0. 
you know, and, and of course they, they lost the game in overtime to Tennessee on the field goal. The last loss came in the closing seconds of the game. So even though they are committing a bunch of penalties, they've still been, you know, right of the games till the very end. Uh, I, I'm not a big Ole Miss fan. Um, I, I think there's been a bit of an overreaction to Alabama's losses. Uh, they're only a game out of first in the SEC West. If Arkansas could pull the upset uh, early tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. over LSU, then Bama's right back in the mix in the West. It's just one of those things is how does this team react when there really is no NC2A championship game carrot in front of them to help with motivation in all those penalties that they've committed. There ain't no straight up and against the spread off their last eight losses. But again, you hit it on the head. It's not the same Bama team that we see week in, week out that intimidates people just by seeing, you know, that uh, crimson helmet with the numbers on the side of it walking into your stadium. They're not, you know, intimidating teams like they used to. I think what Ole Miss can do if they're going to hang this number, keep playing that up-tempo offense. They, they run the ball well, but they like to snap the ball quickly in between plays, which is what Tennessee liked to do, and they gave Alabama trouble also. And I think they can keep the pressure on an undisciplined football team. I think the number's pretty close to being right, Alabama 12. I would lean ever so slightly to Ole Miss in this game plus all those points. I think Bama finds a way to win, but it's probably like a, a 10-point win. Yeah, I, I don't believe Alabama is going to lose this game. Again, they beat them you know, 41-21 last year, and I know that it's still got Bryce Young, but I just I see this Alabama team. I know they've had the penalty problems, but and I didn't get a chance to see the game last week, but I... I I don't think the penalties were as bad because I know they were, you know, the penalties were really bad when you looked at the, those, those games, you know, basically weeks, you know, one through, through seven. And they seemed oh, yeah. to be they coming had like down. what, 18 against oh, Tennessee yeah. and a bunch against Texas. Oh, yeah, you exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was ridiculous. So, and I agree with you I, that, you know, people don't discount Alabama and you are a hundred percent right. Two plays from being undefeated. And I think just people are just thinking, okay, well, two loss Alabama team, forget it. This is, they're done. I, they still have superior talent just about over everybody. And they still got the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, calling the signals here. So are they that deep at wide receiver? No, but still, uh, they're a team to be reckoned with here. And it just seems like these freestyling type of teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss, when they play Alabama, Saban usually has an answer for them. Oh, yeah. And you know, another thing I, I mentioned, they like to play kind of up tempo. They like to snap the ball yep. quick yep. between plays, Ole Miss. That could really play against them. You know, if they're, if they're kind of losing this football game, you want to keep Bryce Young off the field. Listen, I know he struggled a bit last week. His numbers were great, but you don't want them out there, you know, to go against your defense for 35 out of 60 minutes. Yeah. And that's the one thing that worries me about Ole Miss is that they want to snap that ball quite quickly on the play clock. And if things aren't working out, they can go bad really fast. It can snowball. You know, am I going to lay the points? No, but I think about a 10-point win out of Bama. They might win by two touchdowns. All right, so here is the Scott Spritzer game that I circled here, knowing oh. that you have an opinion on, all right? UCF and Tulane. And, the, and, and, and Tulane has a, been a great surprise this year. The 17th in the country, UCF 22. Go ahead, Scott. Break this one down. All right, well, the winner gets to go to the AAC championship game. There it is. Listen, I, I, I lean towards UCF in this one. I, I like their metrics uh, better than Tulane's, and they played against a harder schedule or a tougher schedule. Strength of schedule goes in favor of Central Florida. Uh, not that it's overwhelming. It's not a top-20 tough schedule, but Tulane is like bottom 25 as far as their strength of schedule. So I don't want to rip the green wave too much, 
but I really do think that uh, Central Florida comes away with a close victory. But I think the Golden Knights are going to be the team that ends up heading to the double uh, AC championship at season's end. And, you know, Tulane has been a, a nice little story and they've gotten better, you know, year after year, but they still, they got the one loss and that's to Southern right. Miss. And that's right. not, they were a 12 point favorite in that game as well, too. So to your point, exactly. The, the schedule is, is not good and not tough at all. So exactly. And yeah. you know, that loss, boy, you can't lose to Southern Miss in, right? that, in that spot. Uh, they're eight and one against the spread on the season. Uh, but again, it's, it's been against, you know, and we're talking about a strength of schedule that's around 100th in the nation. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to take too much from a team that's been up and coming, but Central Florida is a really good football team that doesn't self-destruct. And I think they get the job done here. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right. Let's go to the NFL, my friend. Uh, let's talk about the Raiders and the Colts. Um, uh, could be a hard game to handicap. I mean, we've seen the yeah. line fluctuate a little bit here. Jeff Saturday, we talked about that earlier in the show, getting his first head coaching job. But I, I, I warn people here, Scott, is like the Colts defense is still pretty good. And people are saying, well, how do you going to, you know, handicap the Colts? Well, they're not going to do anything different. I mean, the guy t- took the job on, on Tuesday. They're going to be running the same stuff that changing really anything. I don't know what they're going to do, especially with, you know, an offensive coordinator who's their, uh, you know, uh, assistant quarterbacks coach. But, you know, the defense is there. Gus Bradley's there. And this Raiders team is still a little bit of a mess here. How do you handicap this game? And the Raiders, didn't they just today, I think they put Hunter Renfro and Waller on uh, IR. Yes. You know, these guys are going to miss at least a few games now. So the offensive weaponry continues to diminish when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. Not that they were, you know, a well-oiled machine as it was uh, before the injuries started to add up. It's been a weird season uh, they get Devontae Adams. They talk about all this, uh, the, you know, the fact that he and Carr know each other so well from their college days. They work out together during the course of the summer, come out in game one and week one, and what do they do? He throws all of his passes to Devontae Adams, like 15 targets, forgets about guys like Renfro and Waller, and the team's never been on the same page since. So, uh, you know, I was asked before the season, who hurts more by the split up in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers without Adams or Adams without Rodgers. I think it's equal. You know, I think they both need each other right now. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You got Jeff Saturday. As you said, he's not going to change what they're doing. He might even get more conservative on offense because right now Ellinger doesn't belong as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And so you're going to see, are they close to the vest? Raiders don't have a whole lot going on offensively. And I think you'll see a lower scoring game a little bit below where that total sits. And I just saw it pop up earlier today where it said, Matt Ryan is available. He's healthy and available. I'm not going to be shocked if Saturday pulls the trigger if Ellinger is struggling early on and brings in Matt Ryan. You know, that, that seems like a big chunky line for the Raiders who can't get out of their own way to cover. I just don't want any part of this game, especially laying points with the Las Vegas Raiders team that's finding it difficult just to win games outright. You know, and listen, the Colts were a lot of people, a lot of sharps were on the Colts to represent the AFC or at least challenge Buffalo and Kansas City before the season began. They've had some bad luck, three, five, and one. They could be five, three, and one if not for a couple of the bad plays that went against them. And that's why I think that they are, and Lewis Riddick said the same thing, they're the, definitely the most disappointing team. It's not the Packers. It's not the Buccaneers. Right. It's, it, it, it real, it's not the Rams. It, it is the, the Colts for everything that you just said. They thought, okay, this team is going to be good. And, and here's the thing with Matt Ryan. I mean, is this 100% injury-related? Because – 
we, we had heard that maybe there's something going on there in the front office, either coming down from Ursay or somebody else or, or Frank Reich, which led to Frank Reich's firing. We know they were downright dismal last week. I mean, they're 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 2 on, on fourth down, just downright awful, 121 total yards all in all. But a lot of that is Sam Ellinger. He's no good, like you said. Yeah. I mean, isn't Matt Ryan better at 65% uh, in, in your lineup? This is why you got him. So, But I, I'm hearing that it might not just be injury-related. It's got something else that, that's driven I, I think it's beyond injury. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. And here's the thing. If you're Jeff Saturday and you're just coming there basically to settle things down, to calm things down a little bit, if I'm him, I say to Ursay, Matt Ryan's our starter. And I'm not going to be shocked. If we see Matt Ryan out there for a good chunk of this game on Sunday here in Las Vegas, he's the guy you brought in to lead your team to the promised land. And again, they're only three, five, and one. They're just a few plays away from reversing that record and being in the mix for a playoff spot. I would rather take four and a half than lay it in this particular game. Saturday is not the answer long term, but he can calm things down a little bit. And I think he's the kind of guy that can listen to Ursay, let him say his crap and then send him back to his room. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to infect or affect this team. Ursay uh, moving forward, Saturday will be able to calm things down a little bit. Frank Reich was just in over his head, it seemed, the entire time he was head coach of the Colts. All right. Who else you got your eye on Sunday? Um, look, oh, you're going to like this one. All right. And I, and I might be saying this facetiously. We'll see what you think. <laughs> I like the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. <laughs> okay? Right. And I know everybody's like, what? But <laughs> I think getting a point and a half from New Orleans in this game is the way to go. I mean, New Orleans struggles against the run. They also give up more points per game than they score. Uh, their offense leaves a ton to be desired, as we saw against Baltimore. Andy Dalton took four sacks in that game. The ground game stuck in neutral. The receiving core is a mess due to injuries. And, and Dalton's available targets, man, they just leave a bunch to be desired. Uh, you've got three key defenders coming back for Pittsburgh this week, including T.J. Watt. And their defensive metrics are night and day better, as you would imagine, when Watt is on the field. They're coming off a bye week. I'm still a Mike Tomlin fan. I think he's had a week extra to work with Pickett now. And with that defense getting healthy, with T.J. Watt back on the field, I think they get the win over the Saints. I actually took that point and a half with them. Yeah, and I can I can see that for all the reasons that you just said. I mean, the Saints were just downright awful. Andy Dalton is just awful. And, you know, pick it. Okay, you're going to go through your growing pains with him, but you hit the nail on the head with T.J. Watt and, and that defense. Defense still pretty solid. And if they can get three defenders back, yeah, it, may, it makes a lot of sense to harass uh, Andy Dalton uh, outdoors in, in probably some inclement weather, too. There in Pittsburgh. We'll see how that goes. All right, my friend. Uh, great stuff as usual. Uh, Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go to Doc Sports. Subscribe to Scott's Plays. It's all there for you. And it's just not football. It's everything. It's basketball. It's hockey. He's handicapping baseball all year long. Excellent job, <laughs> hey, my friend. Congrats to the Astros. I haven't seen you since you've been back. I almost forgot to say that. Yeah, that was, uh, it was nice, man. It was, uh, it, it was fun. My voice is still trying to recuperate, uh, from all that but uh yeah great time man good stuff all right brother we'll talk to you next week appreciate you take care tc have a good one man. there he is scott spritzer docsports.com all right man thunderous thursday flew by tomorrow we are back at the westgate jay schrader will be joining us the quarterback marco d'angelo will be joining us as well as with john murray the executive director of Raising Sports there at the Superbook at the Westgate. Come on by, see the show live. 
Look forward to seeing you out there, of course, between 2 and 4 p.m. And, of course, our Best Bet segment, Trevor Match will be joining us as well. Three best college plays, three best NFL plays, all of that for you. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Thanks to Scott Spreitzer today, Bob Nightingale, the esteemed writer from the USA Today, talking World Series, talking free agency on the MLB side, and the big seven-footer with all of his craziness with USF to the NBA to Black Panther. If you miss any part of that, go back to the website and listen to the podcast later. All right, boxing tickets. We got that given away as well, too, so hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. Yes, great seats Saturday night at the Pearl Theater inside the Palms, top-ranked boxing Saturday night. For Numbchuck, TC saying so long. Have yourself a good one. We're back at it again tomorrow at the Westgate at 2. I'm a rugged city, I'm a rugged city.